Welcome to India Unveiled with White Oak Capital. I'm your host, Ben Hayward, and together we'll delve into the untold stories of India's business and economic landscape. With an eye for hidden opportunities and a pulse on the vibrant markets that define the country's growth story, we'll explore the dynamic world of Indian commerce and entrepreneurship. Join me as I sit down with the top business and economic leaders who are shaping India's future. With insightful conversations that reveal the innovative and entrepreneurial spirit of Indian industries, we'll discover what makes this country such a fascinating and increasingly important destination for businesses today. So stay tuned to India Unveiled and let's lift the lid on one of the most captivating growth stories in global markets this century. Today, we have Vedant Modi, the CMO of Vedant Fashions, the parent company of Maniavar and Mohi, two of the most prominent brands in the Indian wedding wear market. Vedant's father started the company with just $150 back in the late 90s, and today it has over 600 outlets across India and the Middle East, doing hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue each year. We will delve into the company's journey and Vedant's role within it. From a very early adoption of technology, to future plans of global expansion, as well as the launch of some very high-profile celebrity endorsements with some of India's best-known cricketers and Bollywood actors. We will cover it all. So, stay tuned to learn how this company has become a leading player in the world-famous Indian wedding industry. But first, let's get to know Vedant in a little bit more detail. Great. Well, welcome, Vedant. It's great to have you on the show with me today. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Look, listen, a fascinating business, and, and I'm really excited to talk to you today because I think this is such an intriguing story and kind of there are so many ways in which we can take the next half an hour or so. But let's start at the beginning. Vedant Fashions was set up by your father in 1999. Can we have a little bit, the audience, of background as to why the business was started, perhaps a little bit on the journey so far to date before we delve into the business in a little bit more detail? Absolutely. So my father, Mr. Ravi Modi, the founder of the company, he started going to actually my grandfather's store, which was a 140 square feet men's retail store in AC market of Kolkata. So he started going there when he was 13 years old and dealt with almost 100,000 plus consumers over the next eight to nine years of his life. Then he was a very analytical young man, observed a lot about consumer behaviors and really learned a lot about consumer insights. Now, one day in 1999, my grandfather told something which my father didn't really like. He was really hurt by the comment and he decided to start something of his own. Back then, there was a lot of demand for men's Indian wedding clothes. Yet the supply was really weak and there were not enough people doing much for the industry. So he took 10,000 rupees from my grandmother, which is about 150 US dollars today, and started Vedant Fashions. Very interesting story. So he thought what's the most important thing in his life? It was to earn some respect for himself. That's where the name Manivar comes from. Because Manivar directly translates into the salutation for a respected man in Hindi. So ever since then, the journey was great. In the early days, working capital management was quite difficult with just $150 in hand. So up until 2008, the journey was with the MBOs, which is multi-brand outlets in India, selling to them under the Manivar name. With large format stores, such as Shopper's Stop, Lifestyle, Century. In 2008, we realized that there was a lot of opportunity to get closer to the consumer. And that's where the exclusive brand outlet concept came into the picture. So we started our own stores, which were Mandeva stores, which had a wide array of men's Indian clothing, 
which was something that didn't really exist back in the day. Growth from there was extremely rapid. So by 2010, we had 100 stores. By 2012, we had 200 stores. In 2015, the way business was progressing, the natural next step was to get into women's Indian wear. So we launched a newer brand known as Mohe, and we forayed into the women's wedding wear market. Again, journey there was quite phenomenal over the years. 2017 was quite strategic in nature. So we brought in Kedara Capital as a private equity investor to our company. While the company didn't really need any cash, the idea was to bring in someone to add strategic value to our company. In the same year, we acquired Mebaz, which is a heritage brand based out of Andhra Pradesh and Telangana, located in the southern part of India. Now, the idea there was to see that how can our supply chain truly add to a existing company's functioning, such as Mebaz. And we also wanted to see the potential that a city like Hyderabad, which is located in Telangana, can offer. All of those which worked really well in our favor over the years. 2019, we saw a major opportunity in the overall market. So we launched two new brands, Twamev, which is a prize above Manivar in the bridge to luxury category. And Manthan, which is a notch below Manivar in terms of pricing, addressing to the mass category. So the idea there was that there are about 10 million weddings that happen in India every single year. So with our three brand approach, we can we have the potential to cater to 90% of the entire wedding market in India. It's a fascinating journey and I want to drill into the business in a bit more detail shortly. But I think just for the sake of the listeners, it'd be great to get a bit of an introduction to you, Vedant. So when did you slot into all of this and what's your background? Thank you for the question. So really, I guess the, the most interesting part here is that me and the company were actually born in the same month, back in 1999. So growing up, both my parents were working and it was a startup back then. So working very tirelessly. So every day after school, I would end up in the office slash warehouse slash factory, which was all in one back in the day. And really just grew up in the working culture, grew up with the business happening and everyone talking about business all day. So those days were really fascinating for someone as young as me back then. Slowly when I was older, I started going to the stores after school. So very similarly, walking in the same path as my dad, started to learn a lot about consumer insights, spending time at the store. When I was in grade 10, board exams were going to come up in April. And I still remember that that particular month of March, my dad had given me a particular sales target for one of our stores in uh, Newmarket in Kolkata. And to meet that, I was spending more time in the store than actually studying for the exams. That's when all of us decided that it's probably best that I go abroad, study in a focused manner for the next few years before coming back to finally get into business properly. So I was in Switzerland doing boarding school there for two years and then went to London, learned data science in UCL. So that was really fascinating to bring in a global perspective in terms of how technology is moving across. So when I came back, I took over the role as CMO of the company. And really the focus over the last two years has been revolutionizing the entire consumer experience and to make it a lot more digital. So work across the digital aspects of the company and the retail touch points in how do you truly make a consumer feel extraordinary? And that's really been the focus in the past two years. Fascinating stuff. And yeah, really cool journey, even for yourself personally, to have grown up in such an entrepreneurial environment. So yeah, back to the business, the chief product, and I know you have three different brands that cater to Indian wedding wear across three different price points, but the chief product revolves around an Indian wedding. 
Now, much has been made of Indian weddings in the Western world. We've got Netflix shows, we've got movies, we've got books, magazines, all of this telling us about Indian weddings. Two things here. What is the actual business opportunity for you across your three products uh, for the weddings, you know, size of the market and everything? And then the second part, I guess, is talk us through a typical Indian wedding. How many outfit changes are there? And again, what does this mean from a business sense? Absolutely. So the wedding industry in India just by itself is about $50 billion. And clothing within it is a $7 billion market already and growing rapidly. Now, if I have to talk about the entire culture that's behind this big fat Indian wedding, almost everything stems from Hindu mythology. And a lot of the rituals that we have have a scientific relevance to it. So the typical Indian wedding starts with a roka, which is a union between the bride and the groom, followed by an engagement. And then the wedding rituals start, which span over three to five days. The number of occasions can stretch from five to eight with all of these occasions having new outfits, because culturally wearing new outfits is very important. And at the same time, because you're in a house of a wedding where there are hundreds or thousands of guests, it's also important to buy a lot of occasions for between the events. So the basket of a groom can stretch from five outfits to 12 to 13 outfits. And that's just the beginning. And that's the kind of potential that comes with these Indian weddings. And so it's really interesting. However, what's really important to understand is when we started the company, Back in 1999, Indian clothes were very expensive. The middle class of India couldn't really afford it. Now, what we really are proud to say is that we've democratized the aristocracy in India. We did that by working heavily on our pricing strategy, making it affordable for the middle class of India. And then experience was really tough. So for any working man to walk into a store, look at a swatch. So you had to basically imagine how this piece of Shirwani, which is what you typically wear in a wedding, would look at you. And then you had to go in for trial number one, trial number two, trial number three before you actually got the outfit right. So we revolutionized it by making it completely ready-made. So we can walk into a Manneva store and be ready as a groom within an hour. And you can even get it fitted for yourself through alterations that would be ready in two hours or so. And those changes were very big for our business. And if you ask about the kind of potential that this company has, the potential of market that our company has with our Three brand strategy, just within the weddings, we have 90% potential to capture the overall market. So what is $7 billion today? We can almost capture $6.3 billion with our current brands. And at the same time, our vision is not only to stick to weddings, but the idea is to be available across price points and across genders for anything Indian wear. And for that, the current industry size is already about $25 billion. So that market is even larger and bigger. Yeah, and it was actually a question I had for you was, as I know we'd spoken before, weddings are the core focus and, and, and I guess you know, wedding wear is your heritage as a business, but you are diversifying to try and cater to all types of, as you said, Indian wear and festival season, which is a huge deal in India. Again, with countless different outfit changes. So you're really building a, a kind of holistic business when it comes to all manner of India clothing requirements. Moving on now, and uh, speaking about the business today, we've, we've touched a little bit about the kind of scale and size of the opportunity. I know central to your success, and you mentioned it a little bit with your background, has been technology and how you manage supply chain. So I think it'd be interesting kind of We've seen the front end of, of the business opportunity and, and the wedding wear and the three brands, but the back end of the business is really where you make money. And, and it would be great to kind of walk the listeners through that part of the business as well. 
Absolutely. So this is the most fascinating part about a business. So I think decisions were made on, were taken really in the very early stages of our business. So back in 2002, when the company's revenue was about $300,000 or so, that's when we actually installed our enterprise resource planning system, which is almost unheard of for a company of, of that smaller size. And that has allowed us to have data integrity and a lot of focus on data over the years. A very interesting episode from 2003. So up until 2003, we didn't have any direct access to consumer data because we were selling all our products to multi-brand outlets, which would then sell it to the consumers. So in 2003, when we entered Central, which was a shop-in-shop concept, we had access to consumers' data directly. We realized that 65% of our sales was coming from sizes medium and large. However, typically, all the multi-brand outlets would buy four sizes equally in the same proportion. And that made us challenge that, are people taking the right decision? So when we checked, this actually came to picture that across India, this was a phenomenon, but entire India was still producing everything in equal proportion for four sizes. So that was the beginning of us learning inventory replenishment and demand planning. So over the years, we took multiple steps. So from learning how do we plan for sizing to then evolving into colors, to now actually coming to a stage in 2022 where each and every design is almost machine readable. So we plug in each and every attribute that our product has into our machine learning system. And the system automatically understands the way demand is actually planning out over the next few months. But designers make product that the system feels is going to perform well in the upcoming months. <laughs> and then we only replenish those particular products in the stores where we think it's going to sell. Now, this industry is actually very different from the other retail sectors in India because shirts and suits is something that the West brought to India. And India overall dresses in Western clothing quite similarly. However, when it comes to traditional wear and Indian clothing, every 50 kilometers, the consumer preferences change. Now, because we are a completely tech-backed supply chain system and with very low reliance on what people assume people are going to buy, we've been able to crack this industry, which would typically be very hard. And with all of these decisions taken in together, uh, what that has resulted is that debt stock being less than 4% and in our flagship Mandeva brand, it now being less than 2.5%. These numbers are one of the best in the world when it comes to debt stock management. And I think your profitability, we've spoken before, your, your last year you became a more profitable business, not necessarily in size and scale, but more profitable business in Hermes or something like that you were saying? Yes. Uh, so we crossed about 31% net profit margins. And when a few analysts in India were doing a study, they found out that Vedant Fashions had actually become, in terms of net profit margin, the most profitable company in the world when it came to the apparel sector. In, in the kind of a mid to premium luxury segment. Correct. Fascinating. It's an amazing story. It really is. And, and just about the size of the business now, I mean, how many stores, Pan-India, how many employees, where are we at in terms of that, those kind of metrics? So we're across 640 stores now, which spans more than 240 cities, five countries. And yeah, everything's going really well. Growth is very good in terms of employees. Because we've kept a very lean structure, we're about eight to 900 corporate employees while the entire front end is actually managed by franchisees and the entire back end system is managed by our vendors and jobbers who help us produce all the goods. So we've actually been able to grow the company in a very lean and variable structure. And even in a 
in a year like financial year 21, where revenues were down because of COVID and less weddings happening because of uh, restrictions put by the government, even in a year like that, we were able to post net profit margins of 24% plus, which shows the variable nature of our business. Yeah, it shows the power of technology as well and analytics Absolutely. In, in, in your line of business. So fascinating stuff. You mentioned it just there a little bit. You're in five countries now. Clearly, the huge addressable market is the home market, India. But we are all acutely aware, and I talk about it on this podcast many times over, of the Indian diaspora all over the world, all of which, you know, are still wedded to this idea, or excuse the pun, of, of an Indian wedding. Is there plans to expand internationally beyond the four countries you've already been to? Absolutely. So the idea is that there's a lot of potential in markets abroad. For now, we are focusing on entering markets with large Indian diaspora because as India is growing, the influence of Indians abroad is growing and the need for Indian clothing is also growing with it. So for example, we now have about seven stores in the US and a lot of foreigners are actually buying from us uh, owing to the fact that they're attending Indian weddings. They are attending Diwali parties of their Indian friends. So a lot of interesting things are happening abroad. Yet, with all of that said, for the next few decades, or at least for the next decade, major growth will still come from India. However, like the West almost made Western clothing famous around the world, with India growing so rapidly, who knows what happens in the next few decades with Indian clothing becoming three dominant in the Western world, maybe. Well, I've got no doubt you guys are going to be at the forefront of that movement if that happens. So I uh, look forward to watching that. <laughs> I was in India recently, uh, Vedan, and I couldn't help but notice the commercialization of everything and the fact that everywhere I went, there was um, billboards with brand endorsements, brand partnerships, celebrity endorsements. And it very much reminded me of the US where I was also earlier this year. And it was something that kind of really struck me. And then I got thinking that this must be something that's actually probably been very central to your business over the years, tying up with Bollywood movie stars or cricket stars. So how have you used celebrity in your business? Because celebrity and fashion seems to be something that goes hand in hand all over the world. Our brand is all about celebrations. And there is nothing that Indians celebrate more than cricket and Bollywood. So the tie-up with cricketing stars and Bollywood celebrities was a very natural decision that came with progress. And what we've tried to do is every campaign we've made, rather than making it very product-oriented, we've always made it about the industry. And we've always tried to connect it with real-life insights and consumer insights. My dad had gained over his eight years spending with consumers at the store level. So to give you an example, when the most famous cricketer in the world, Virat Kohli, was getting married to Anushka Sharma, a very famous Bollywood celebrity, then we launched our campaign just a few weeks in advance with both of them showing up together on the big screen. And the amount of organic reach a campaign like that gets you, no kind of media can ever buy you that. Mm -hmm. Similarly, we followed on the same footpath and we signed up Alia Bhatt, who got married after we launched a campaign with her. And recently, within this year, we launched a campaign with Kiara Advani, one of the most famous actresses in India right now. And right after we launched the campaign with her, she got married. So this real-life timing of celebrities and their weddings has really worked in, in our marketing campaign's favor. That's fascinating. And yeah, I mean, the power of Bollywood celebrities in India, if you tie your brand to that, I've got no doubt it'd be a huge pull factor for you and the brands that you operate. I think we've kind of spoken a lot about the opportunity in the business and incredibly profitable, scalable, interesting story you guys have. We've touched a little bit on the future, but what to your mind is the future of Vedan and where's the growth going to come from and what's the business going to look like in five, 10 years time? 
Absolutely. I think even before we talk about the business, what's more important that this is India's decade. With India ready to grow at a very rapid pace, our business, which is all about India and Indian clothing, is the most well-fit to grow with India's story. That said, we have a lot of growth drivers in place for that. Our Manever flagship brand has been growing very rapidly and very successfully. And we have many more store rollouts planned for the upcoming quarters. At the same time, Bohe, which is a women's wear brand, which today from a market share perspective is still quite small and the potential there is very large. We've been doing really well with that brand over the past few years. And we aim to scale that significantly as well. With Twamev and Manthan being launched very recently, those brands will also pick up in scale and size as we move forward. And over the next few years, we will also launch newer brands that will help us achieve our mission of being able to cater to each and every Indian wear requirement across genders and across price points. I guess a very important statement or a very important piece of this whole conversation is that when we started this business, our dream was that each and every man in India has one piece of Indian wear in their cupboard. However, over the years, our dream has become big and we started to dream bigger. And now our dream is that each and every Indian man could have only Indian clothing in his cupboard. I guess you want that clothing to be uh, from a brand under your brand umbrella, <laughs> your company umbrella. I believe the way we think is that we only invest in the overall industry. And when the industry grows, our brands with the kind of technology, the kind of emotional connect with the consumers and the kind of positioning we've done, it will automatically grow with it. And I guess last question to my mind, and, and, and we could go all afternoon, but I think the last question I had is at some point, the fashion world outside of India, fashion brands from the Western world, they're going to wake up and see this huge opportunity. You've clearly got nearly 25 years of a head start against these guys. But do you worry and think about foreigners coming in to try and play in this market? And perhaps you see that as a positive? If that happens, we would only view it as a positive, firstly, because we would have created an industry so large that foreigners would actually look at it and say, wow, this is something we want to enter. However, that said, this industry is extremely tricky. So one of our biggest modes actually is production. So this year, we will do about 4 million units of Indian clothing. And the second guy in India would produce about 100,000 units. And these are all handmade outfits. So there is a lot of handmade effort that goes into making these. So for, just to give you a perspective, if we sell a $300 Kedwani, that would have about 130 hours of human work with his own hands going into it. That level of production and sophistication is really difficult to set. Like I was mentioning, the whole idea of our organization has been around respect. So the way we've grown with our jobbers and our vendors, the kind of loyalty that we have towards each other, it's more than a blood relationship. We're one of the only organizations that pays jobbers on a weekly basis. So everything that we get from a Monday to Friday is actually paid for on the next Monday. Incredible. So I think we might well see some foreigners come to the market, but good luck trying to compete with Vedant is what I would uh, take from that. Thank you very much. Well, listen, thanks a lot for coming on the show with me today. Really, really fascinating. Different story, but I think one that will resonate with the listeners tremendously. So I can only thank you and uh, wish you guys the best of luck going forward with the business. And I look forward to seeing the dance grow in, in the future. And uh, who knows, perhaps even one day I'll be coming to you for my uh, Indian wear if I go to an Indian wedding or uh, an Indian festival celebration. Thank you very much, Ben. Would 
Really look forward to hosting you in India if you're ever here. Likewise, I look forward to meeting you in person sometime soon. Thanks, Vidant. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to India Unveiled with me, Ben Hayward. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review, a rating, and make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you might get your podcast fix to be notified of our upcoming episodes. Join us in a couple of weeks as we continue to explore the fascinating world of Indian business and entrepreneurship. Until then, stay safe and keep exploring.